it just that's where I uh, I was in the program when I heard this message, you know, a while ago, and uh, and I had that frame, and then this message fit perfectly into it. See, the as far as it went in recovery was they they thought the problem was the root of the problem was obsession with self, yeah, this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah, not all the different bodies, but just the idea of being a body. Yeah, be it the energy body or the or the uh, pain body or the physical body or the emotional body, the idea of being a body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is called to me the identification as. Now there is no self to be identified as. There's just identified identification as a self. It's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there was a self. Yeah. And then there would be you, in a way, identified as it. But there is no self. In my, let's just, just take it as this. There's a statement, there is no self. So what it is, there's the mind here identifying as a self. Identifying as a self that it creates. You mean? Uh, just try to understand The mind, you know, awareness, whatever you want to call it, consciousness, becoming identified as a self. Mm-hmm. So it, instead, of, instead of the sense of conscious contact, like seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, there's a mental interpretation of that as I am conscious. I'm the one who's seeing. I'm the one who's hearing. I'm the one who's feeling. I'm the one who's tasting. And it's a sense felt thing. It's not just a thought. You feel like when an action occurs, you feel like you're the doer of it. Yeah? When there's a thought seen, you believe there's a sense that you're the thinker of it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the identification as self. Now, there can't, there is, let's say there, there isn't a self, so all it can do is produce uh, an imitation to entertain the idea that you are a self. So it assumes, and if you can just let me go, and then we'll have questions answered later. And if you don't like what I'm saying, just uh, reject it silently, you know. <laughs> right now, you can talk about it. <laughs> so there's this mental process, like when you were a kid, a very young baby, you didn't have a sense of being separate. Yeah? There's tons of research about it. It started to appear around 18 months, they say. So when a baby is a baby, yeah, there is no sense that I'm a baby. Yeah, there's no sense that I'm a Paul as it's being a baby. It's just being a baby. And then, around 18 months, there's an idea that it's something that is the baby, yeah? And then there's a separation. And it usually, they say it usually, the sense, this production of a sense of self is usually, uh, corresponds with the, the uh, strengthening of the language center. So the language has a lot to do with the, the, uh, the reinforcements of that sense of self. Because when thoughts are seen, they're translated into sound in a language. Yeah? So there's a thought, and you, it sounds like it has your voice as it's, as it's broken into sound. And so that, when, when the mind is listening to that, listening to it from a certain place, all of that yapping, all of that narration of being Paul, being the doer, the haver, the seer, the feel, the taster, infers or implies Paul all day. Yeah. Now it can't make Paul. It can't. You can't create Paul. But it lets the mind does the rest. So the narration just says, "You're the doer. You're the thinker. You're the feeler. You're the hearer. You're the this. You're the that." But it can't make that so. The mind makes the lead. 
So you're listening to this narration in your head. Supposedly you have 70,000 thoughts a day happen through your head. A day. 70,000 thoughts, yeah? Let's say you're aware of a couple thousand of them. Now, they may be different. Every one of the thoughts may be different, but they're held very similarly. They're either held as you're the thinker of them or they're about you somehow, yes? So there's thousands of thoughts, but how they're held is I'm the thinker of them. The bondage isn't the thought, it's the be believing that you're the thinker, yeah? So now the thinking, the thinking, the thinking is occurring. You're seeing it in an ignorant way, and that thinking implies that there's a thinker. The doing that's happening in this life implies that there's a doer. And our mental logic has a very hard time entertaining that there's just doing. If there's doing, there must be a doer. If it ain't you and it ain't me, it's God or something else. So, so there's always... The logic, it always leaps from doing, doer, seeing, seer, hearing, hearer, feeling, feeler, tasting, taster, smelling, smeller, yeah? But what's actually seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching can't be smelled, can't be seen, can't be heard, can't be tasted, yeah? Yes. Let's go with it. Just go with it for a second. So, there's the seeing, Yeah? There's a conscious contact that's seeing. So let's say if my eye's looking some way and a bird flies by, I'm going to see it. There's no choice or volition in seeing that. Because my eye is open and my eye has the ability to see. Consciousness is waiting, it's imminent there, <coughs> and it manifests or it has an experience here through the five gates of the senses. Yeah. So consciousness is available. The sixth gate is the mind that sees thoughts. The other gates are seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. So consciousness is imminent, meaning it's there, always there, always ready, but it needs a gate to move through, to see something, to hear something, to feel something, to taste something. Now there's an engagement, now there's an experience, yes? So there it is, conscious contact's happening, and the mental process of selfing, that's what I call it, there is no self, but there's a lot of selfing going on. The mental process of selfing arises and says, I'm the one who's seeing. This is what it implies or infers. I'm the one who's seeing. I'm the one who's feeling. I'm the one who's tasting. These are not just problems. They're my problems. Yeah? This isn't just time. It's my time. This isn't just a past. It's my past. This isn't just a future. It's my future. Yes? <clears throat> now, the... <clears throat> Now, all the seeing and the hearing and the feeling and the tasting and the touching that are going on all day are being used by the mental process to reinforce this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Voila, you. Yes? Now, that to me is the bondage of self. It's not something that happened. It's happening. Yeah? It's just the mind. The most the mind can do is point at it, infer it, assume it, imply it, but he can't make it so. Your and my, it's not your and my mind, but the mind is what makes the leap. Yeah? So there's thinking, 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 thinking. Oh, therefore I must be the thinker. Feeling, 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 I must be the feeler. The same thing. So here, <coughs> because self doesn't exist <coughs> right now, and that all there is is right now, it has to appear to exist. The only way it can appear to, be, to exist is for you to remember it. Yeah? Your mind has to remember that you were once that, and then remember it by worrying that you will be that, and therefore it's like it goes, I am that. Yeah? So I was here, 
I'm going to be here, so it's really worthy to worry about what's going to happen to me five years from now, because I'm going to be here, and therefore I was here, um, I will be here, and therefore I am here now. That's a fucking huge leap. That's a huge, huge leap, yeah? Now, you know, first of all, you have to believe you were here. Is there any really evidence? You may have pictures and stuff like that, but... <laughs> and then the idea you will be here. So, but the thing is, if you don't exist, yeah, you have to be remembered to exist now. Yeah? For you to appear to be here, you have to be remembered. What you are doesn't need to be remembered. And, and it doesn't actually even appear because it's never left. Yeah? So there's the, there's the imitation constantly in the conscious contact. Constantly, if you want to know what love is, if the mind can twist itself up into an imaginary knot and the solution was available at every moment, at all times, right where you are, with no requirement necessary, that would be love to me. Yeah? So consciousness is constantly saying, it's, just, it's, you're, it's giving you the out from an imaginary problem. Yeah? So do you need it? So do you need an out from an imaginary problem? Do we what? Do you need an out to get out of what you're not in? That's the solution. Yeah, it's like Ramana Maharshi. You ever heard of him? It's an old master. Ramana Maharshi used to have this story about you got a thorn in your foot. Yeah, so here's you've got this thorn in your foot and you're walking around because you're an action figure or you're appearing to be. Yeah, you're going to do something tonight, right? You're going to get home. You go to retreats. You do this. You eat. You know, do whatever. Do movements. So there's an action figure. So while I'm walking through life, I got this thorn in my foot. So every step I take, the influence of that thorn is is in it. Yeah. As long as I'm walking, I'm going to feel that presence of that thorn, and it's bothering me. Let's call maybe it's producing an irritability, a restlessness, a discontentment. So, okay, so now you look, you've had enough. You've stopped buying, like, Dr. Scholl's pads, you know, <laughs> thick insoles, and you just fucking, I want to get this thorn out. So then you hear a message, and the message is a thorn in a way, and that thorn is meant to take the first thorn out. Yeah? So here's the message. Here's what you would call the solution to the problem. So I dig the problem out with this thorn, I pop the problem out. I don't stick this thorn in. You know? I don't replace the first thorn with the second thorn. So this message is a solution in time. Yeah? As long as the problem seems real, this is a real solution to it. But when this is used, when you entertain this possibility that I'm not that, yeah? simple as that, I'm not that, when you entertain that possibility, it takes this problem out from the solution's point of view, there is no problem. Yeah? What need is there for a solution then? That's the freaking solution. That works. Yeah? The solution negates itself immediately when it dawns on you. It only, is, looks, it only seems to be a solution when the problem seems to be real. The solution's effect on the problem is it ain't real. Therefore, there's no need for a solution. That's a workable solution. Yeah? Because it doesn't keep the thing. Problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution going. It's the last answer. Yeah? It puts an end to this movement. Yeah. Now you have a, something to rest on because it isn't something that you have as a solution. It's prior to ever having a solution. It's your innate condition. Your innate condition is freedom from all the distorted appearances that the mind's trying to produce. That's the freedom. Freedom. 
That's the solution. And from the solution's view, all of those appearances are just that. They can never become so. They can only appear to be so to you. Yeah. In recovery, we have a, an acronym. You know what acronym means? Well, you use, you use letters, F-E-A-R, to mean fear, right? So it says false evidence appearing real. That's what's happening most of the day. Yeah? The thought system is presenting false evidence, and false evidence can't be real, can it? The best it can do is appear real. Because it's false evidence. It's not true. It can't change the basic fact that it's not true. But it can appear not to it can appear to be different. Yeah? It needs you and me to appear to be different. So false evidence has to have a you to appear real too. That's where the solution is. Not in trying to change false evidence into true evidence, this and that. It's just realizing your role in false evidence appearing real. You're the reason why it's appearing real. The sense of a you, yeah? If you're not that you, then false evidence will be seen as false evidence. How much effect can false evidence have on you? How much? How much can an imaginary problem affect you? How much can, let's say, you're worrying about next week, which inherently is not happening, yeah? How much can what's not happening affect you if you see it as not happening? What? Do I need to go to a therapist to deal with my problems about what's not happening? Or what, the best way he could serve me was saying, it's not happening, bro. <laughs> it would be the shortest hour you ever had. It would be one minute. You'd walk in ready for your big story and go, hey, it's not happening. What would you be left with? You'd be left in a pause. The whole fucking storyline would be interrupted, and there's your freedom right there. The idea of, if you watch your thought system, just watch it occasionally. The mind is producing anxiety, usually concerned about something that's not happening, isn't it? You can't call it fear, because fear is a valid emotion. Fear arises when it's necessary to run or fight, yeah? But the mental process is producing the effects of fear, physiological and nervous effects of fear, through mental anxiety. It's concerned about something that's not happening. Yet, because the power that we are, if we entertain that, if we believe that all false evidence, it has the ability to affect us greatly, doesn't it? You can be, you can be in the most beautiful situation, in this most beautiful place, and yet, a few thoughts can ruin your whole day. How could that thought ruin your day? Yeah? If you put another person sitting right next to you and had the same thought, I bet you the effects could be different. Because it's not the thought. It's the my. Yeah? It's that you're the thinker. It's that the thought's about you. That's where the juice is. That's where I found the solution. It wasn't... Oh, I've got to have good thoughts and work on my thoughts. It's just to see that I'm not the thinker. What happens if I'm not the thinker? I lose interest in the thoughts. And you cannot believe how easy it is to lose interest in thoughts that are about what's not happening. It's incredibly easy. Because, they, see, what's not happening, anything can happen there. 
You can be totally screwed in what's not happening. You can be in the best of health, but in what's not happening, you have cancer. You know what I mean? Your boyfriend's sleeping with your best friend or whatever, and what's not happening. Anything can happen. Yeah. But, but then, in what's happening, it, not everything can happen in what's happening. But it has a quality what's not happening doesn't have, which is it's happening. You know what I mean? This one quality that is actually coming to pass has the ability to produce an immunity to all that which isn't happening. Just the recognition of what's going on right now can produce an immunity to all of those machinations about what could possibly happen or what did happen. Just like that. All you need to do is be conscious of now, and you cannot not be that, because you are the consciousness of now. If you want to separate yourself from that fact and now start to try to become conscious, I bet you there'll be a belief that you're unconscious on some level. That's not true. If all there is is consciousness, then how can you become more conscious and less conscious? But what happens is when consciousness is claimed as you being the one who's conscious, then you can think you can be more conscious than unco- or less conscious. And therefore, so it is. As, as a man once said, as you believe, so it is. There it goes. But if that one little ingredient, like every time, if you look at, I remember in a, when I had to look at my uh, intimate relationships in the past, Let's say uh, all these like 15 girls that I went out with, yes? And uh, none of them seemed to work. And when I studied it, there was one constant in all my relationships. And it was me. I was the one constant in all those relationships. Well, this is way past that. You're the one constant in every moment in your own freaking life, yeah? This whole idea. Did you ever read those books about how to get into the moment? I hope you didn't buy any of them. They do know. How to get into the moment. How to really be in the moment. You know? And then the second edition was how to really, really be in the moment. And the third edition. Then there was like the advanced practice. How to really, really, really be in the moment. But the fact is you can't be out of a moment, can you? Every moment of your life you've been there. Yeah? Every one of them. You are that moment. Yeah? So why would you want to try to get into something you can't be out of? When you give up the urge to be in it, you'll really get that you're totally immersed as it. Yeah? Just like the same thing with the idea of self. We're so, so trying so hard to get out of self, but if you realize you can't be in self, that would be the freedom. Yeah? It's like being in a place, like a, almost like a mental prison, that all the exit signs are, exit, are entrances. And all the entrances signs are entrances. <laughs> you never leave the little maze. And you're like a mobile prison. Wherever you go, there it is. It sets up and you're in there. Yeah. What keeps us so bound to that idea? What keeps me so bound to the thoughts happening in my head? Well, I found it's that I'm the thinker of them. If I'm not the thinker of them, I lose interest in the system. Big time. Because it's boring as hell. Yeah. If I'm not... if just see, just look simple here. Put a word money there, up there, yeah? And put a word like health there. And put a word relationship there. And now weigh it, yeah? You give meaning to it, don't you? Money, health, relationship. Plays a big part in our lives. Let's change the weight with, very easily. Put the word my in front of it. My money. 
Usually different, isn't it? <laughs> My relationships, woo! <laughs> Lots of books about that. <laughs> My health. The my is it, you know? The sense of being the owner of, the doer of, the haver of, is the bondage. It's not the things. Like Ramana Maharshi, this great master, says, you don't have to give up your possessions, give up the possessor, yeah? Give up the idea that you're the owner of these things. Well, why not apply that to the mental quality, yeah? That you're the owner, you're not the owner of, you're not the feeler of anything, you're not the thinker of anything, Yeah? There's just feeling and thinking going on. So instead of a story that life's happening to you all day, you know, unbelievably, life's happening to you, you'll just see life is happening. You'll just travel a whole lot lighter. And what more do you want? You may think you want a lot of things, but if it really, if traveling lighter became a norm in your life, you'd realize that's what you've always wanted. Just the ability to have an ease and comfort in your day, yeah? So you know the problem, in a sense, from the solution. From the solution's point of view, it's not a problem. And then you start living like that. You live as as if it's not a problem. Yeah? And then the freedom stabilizes, and you travel lighter in a consistent level. It's not like it promises to change the geography of your life, but you'll travel lighter over what life has in store for you. You know? You just travel lighter with it every day. You can't have an account book for it. You won't even notice it sometimes. No one else may notice it, but there's a quality of your life that if it was missing, you'd really, really, really be uh, sad about. Yeah, just the quality of life is injected because what you've been missing mostly is actually what you are. You know, the mental idea of you was what was showing up all the time. What you are was this always available, but we weren't attending to it. Yeah. Once your once your mind takes is see the interest and attention. Let's say if it's if it's obsessed with the idea of being you, then the thoughts will keep you up all night. All those thoughts about you and all this and all that. That same interest and attention on one in one vehicle almost appears like an obsession. Yeah, it can drive you freaking crazy. You just won't be able to go, get off of one thought and go over it or one event that you thought you were the doer of. I wish I wouldn't have done that. Why could I have done better? All this, all that. That same interest and attention, if free from the selfing, will enrich one's life. It will enrich it. You'll walk around, you'll see things you never saw before. Certain, like almost like a dog whistle will call you to look a certain way out of the blue and there'll be something that's a beautiful, you know, it's just incredible. So, my approach has always been like a backdoor approach. Yeah? Let's say some people say there is no person. Yeah? But what happens is, when you hear that message, it's sort of like you're a lion. Yeah? So here's the message. You're a lion. And everyone gets it. They're listening to it. And everyone's hearing it. Yeah, I'm a lion. I'm a lion. I'm a lion. Then it hits the sheep ears. Yeah? And it immediately gets translated into, I can become like a lion. That's not the message. Yeah? So, you hear the message, I'm, there's no person, but you're hearing it as a person. <laughs> That's the dilemma. You're hearing it as a person. Your mind's already structured in the identification as a person. So now you hear, I'm not a person, I'm not a person, I'm not a person. I can become a not a person. <laughs> so now, the self is going to become a non-self. <laughs> 
and we're all waiting. We're all we're hoping that we're going to be there when it happens. <laughs> that I'm going to be there to experience my own absence. <laughs> I haven't got it yet. <laughs> it's not a getting. It's a getting. It's not a got. You don't got it. It doesn't happen that way, in my sense. It's a happening, yeah? It just becomes obvious, and you realize it's always been the case. Yeah? It doesn't matter if you got on it as always being the case now, or the now that you call tomorrow, or the now that you call ten years ago, but it, you always get it right now. Yeah? And it's just a getting, and a getting, and a getting, and a getting, and a getting. It's not like you have it. It's not like, oh, I realized 25 years ago. Yes. Here it is, see? Put it on my spiritual mantle. See, yes. Let's see if yours measures up to mine. No, I don't think so. You sit over there and come to my retreats. Yes, I have it. So let me tell you how it happened. That's the worst thing anyone can ever do. Because then the person hears it and says, Oh, I got to go to that supermarket and buy that Heinz catcher because that's when it dawned on the master. <laughs> it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's. it's <laughs> it's a having, yeah? It's like, an, it's a constant verb, yeah? It's verbing all the time, verbing all the time. There's no beginning, there's no point you can enter or exit. It's always happening, yeah? That's all that occurs. When your attention and interest is lifted off of the dead horse called selfing, it opens up to the fact of what's going on here. Why? Because there's consciousness, you can become conscious of it. You can be conscious, you can become conscious of it. So there's a, there's an old Zen master, Hoang Po, my favorite guys. He used to say, he said, you can't use mind to seek mind. You can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use light to seek light. Yeah? You can't use activity to become still. That would be activity. Yeah? It's like, I can't go and study about self for two years because it could be construed as obsession with self, in a way. Yeah? Self can't get out of self. That's the dilemma. Yeah? The whole point is, instead of trying to get out of what I'm not in, if I realize I'm not in it, that's being out of it. Yeah? That's being out of it. And that's not an experience that goes, flirts within and out again and over and over again. It stabilizes that I was never in it. Yeah? Just like an imaginary problem doesn't need a solution. How much time does it take to realize something's not happening? No time. It's like that. And you haven't been in urine recovery, right? You know the pause. You've had the pause where there's just a sense, like a, it's like a, a quality of you want to call it timelessness in what you would call a moment. But it can change your whole life. Where you were going to go down an old way of behavior, suddenly something occurs and there's like grace, you know, drops in and then you don't go that way. That pause is our nature. That's what our mind is like. All the chatter is like is like mental winds on the surface of that. Yeah? Our interest and attention keeps going and following the little ball that's bobbing in the currents of, of duality, this way and that way, connected and disconnected, thinking where this little object, this little separate, long-lasting, independent entity, we're so much deeper than that, yes? 
So the mind flits this way and flits that way, but the seeing of the flitting this way and that way never fucking moves. Never moves. The seeing of it never moves. The mind says, I'm connected. You know, I did this. I feel really connected. Then a day later, I'm disconnected. Yeah? And so you're like the little ball that goes with this current. Oh, I'm over here. Oh, I'm over there. And then the ball has a little, like, you know, voice box saying, I did it. (laughs) I was, I did something to get connected. And then, oh no, I did something to get disconnected. Yeah? But all the while, there's a scene of all this movement. The mind likes, the conditional mind likes to go with this and go with that and go with this. But there's an awareness behind that all that never moves. Yeah? Never blinks, never is interrupted, never is added on to or subtracted from, never is affected by whatever is appearing. Never. Not one bit. Everything here is like a henna tattoo to it. It all washes off. Nothing sticks. It's like the open, grand open sky on a clear day. See you, man. Nice to see you again. Yeah? It's like that sky where clouds appear in it and stuff, you know? And the clouds come and go, but the clouds don't affect the sky, do they? Birds take a shit, they never land on the sky. They land on our cars, yes. All that the rain happens, the sky never gets wet. Yet, the sky is what allows all that to occur. Yet, what's occurring never affects its nature. That's what mind is like. That's what your mind, freed from alcoholism, freed from self-obsession, freed from all these neuroses, Freed from the idea of time as being real. Freed from the idea of things as being the only thing that's going on here. Freed from those ideas, it gets to see its own nature. It sees its original face. And it has a huge effect on how you're going to travel here. For me, it just consistently produces a traveling lineup. So you get, you get freed from the need to be liberated. The only thing that needs to be liberated is the selfing. You don't need to be liberated one bit. It's, a, it's more like a, a paring down, or it's very economical. It lightens all the loads. You don't get added onto. Okay? It's more, much more paring down. Things that you thought were essential seem to be unnecessary. <laughs> you know? And then what's truly essential is honored to be that. Yeah? <coughs> so instead of you, know, you trying to fill up the day, day, you are the filling of the day. Yeah? It's the awareness of the day is the joy of the day. Yeah? And you are that. So if you had in recovery, you know, what do you think? What do you think alcoholism is? It's just an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness. Yeah, it really is. It's just we're much more sensitive, and we take the false evidence to appear much more true than a lot of other people do. You know, and it drives us to fucking drink. <laughs> Get loaded. That's what happens. You know, I mean, seriously. Someone said something to you 20 years ago, you're still not over it. You know what I mean? You've never gone to another party again. <laughs> Someone didn't want to dance with you, you've never danced. You know, it's like one of those. You know, it's just that they're all different degrees of manifestation, but it's the same dilemma. The original addiction is the self, is the mental condition, the mind, being addicted to the idea of being a self. That's it, yeah? That... 
So here's the mind. It loves what it's making up, which is this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It loves it. It cherishes it. Yeah? So it gets addicted to that. Yeah? Now that can never become so. You can never be a self. Yeah? But what is so, it's always trying to become something, and then it has a double whammy. It believes it's something that it wants to unbecome. Yeah? <clears throat> so all day I'm trying to become a good person because I think I'm a bad person, whatever it may be. Yeah? So it's constantly trying to become and unbecome, but it can never fulfill the desire. It can never be. Yeah? It doesn't have the ability to be because it's not so. So it's constantly... So that desire to be a self can never be fulfilled. So what happens? It produces a real big irritability. And now the mind, in ignorance, looks for relief. Voila, drinking. Voila, shooting drugs. Voila, sex. Voila, shopping. Voila, watching movies you've seen that suck the first time and you still see them the fifth time. Like Die Hard 12 or something. It just goes on and on and on because... The last thing you want to do is be left alone with this fucking monster. Yeah? But you can't pry yourself away from it. <laughs> because you're identified as it. How can... See, that was one of the big things in recovery. When I got that, it was a foreign installment, you know, this idea of being a self. As soon as my mind could entertain, I'm not that, the next thing it could entertain, I can be free of it. I don't have to therapize the fucking thing. I don't have to try to socialize it. I don't have to try to tie it to it or win it over or convince it not to flip out at the next picnic I go to. You know what I mean? It was sort of like, hey, I'm not that. Therefore, I can be free of it, radically free of it. Not free with it, not free as it, not free for it, not free by it, but free from it. Yeah. So, if I'm not that, that's that. I don't need to turn around and not try to find out who I am. That's all I need to know is who I'm not. Yeah? Because the seeing of who I'm not is what I am. That quality to be able to see what I'm not is what I am. That quality of seeing. Yeah? What more do I need to do? Work on it? It's like polishing the mirror, the old Zen story. You're polishing the mirror. The mirror has the ability to reflect. Now all it's reflecting is you polishing it. <laughs> Just get out of the way. It's doing fine. <laughs> all you see is you. <laughs> but I look so good with the robes on. <laughs> getting closer. <laughs> I almost have it. I can feel it. This is... <laughs> if you're looking for something exciting, you're in the wrong place. It's so fucking ordinary. You won't know who will even notice. It's like not when you were younger and you would be at the retreats for four weeks and you'd have that loving gaze, you know. Someone would be on the bus, oh, you're so... Clear. You're like sucking up the ass. I am. Yes. Very bright. <laughs> oh, what do you do? Oh, I meditate 13 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm just, you know, to totally look normal to everybody. <coughs> My roommates never ask me about any of this ever. Basically, they could care less about it. They could give a shit about the whole thing. Yet, that's that's why it's so valuable. The mind doesn't. The conditional mind doesn't see much value in it. It really doesn't. 
If it tries to see, if it tries to take advantage of it, it won't work. You know. I used to do it when I first got introduced to it. Like, you know, they would say you're not a person. So when my girlfriend was yelling at me for not doing the dishes, there's no Paul. Paul didn't. There's no Paul to do with not doing the dishes. And she just said, fuck you, Paul. Do the dishes. You know what I mean? It was like total bullshit. <laughs> That's the best of mine to try to make of it, is they get an advantage. When it didn't seem like work, it dropped it, and that's why it's so valuable. Yeah? The mind doesn't see it as anything great. The conditional mind just walks over it all fucking day. It's not like you're on a cliff and it's the great moment of realization and your hair's blowing in the wind and <laughs> the birds have stopped and they're all staring at you. You know what I mean? The porpoises have jumped up in the air. The whales are spouting. Oh, yes, no. It's just you walk into the market buying some bread and you're awake, yeah? Yeah, simple as that. Sensed it now, right? Yes, that's it. This is <laughs> a pause comes over, it's nice. If you don't dwell there, it'll keep showing up more and more, and then you won't even have a sense of dwelling there. You'll be much closer to it than that. Yeah? You'll be that voice, not someone with some subtle identification as being the one dwelling there. You'll be that. And in that ordinariness is a real freedom, total freedom. It only seems noble if there's a you doing it. If it's just the way it is, it's pretty damn ordinary in a lot of levels. But that's why it's so valuable. Like the Tao Te Ching would always say, <coughs> The wood that can't be used is the most valuable piece of wood, so to speak. Yeah, no one sees any value in something that thing lasts. <laughs> it doesn't. It isn't sold thirty times in a row and you know passed and this and that. That's sort of what it's like. So, it's good to see you. I mean, you're looking good. Yeah. Any other questions tonight? No. Oh. <laughs> Not the question, just kind of like you, you said. Yeah, repetition, Paul. <coughs> yes, repetition. And so, because it makes the mind can make it sound wrong to do like look for the pain body and that totally. Or I'm not saying recovery like repetition. Repetition. Repetition is good, I think. Yes, I mean, repetition is good here because here in time and space, repetition is in a sense can be used as a poison or as an antidote. Yeah. How many things that you did you hold to be true when people were telling you when you were a kid over and over again that you were never going to be enough? Yeah, it was repetition. So we're just combating it, combating the poison with with its own quality, which is repetition. So we have two meetings a week, and there's tons of people like Eckhart Tolle and other people. You find your own flavor, but uh, you can have. It's nice to be reminded of it. Yeah, until there's like an establishment in it. Yeah. Then everything starts reminding you of it. <coughs> so, yeah, I like repetition quite a lot. That's why, you know, that's why I think this is set up this way. So that I didn't want to go look for people to share this. I'll just share it myself. 
So I'll, I'll ne- I've never missed a meeting. <laughs> or you can say I've never attended a meeting. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I couldn't wait to, for the next person to come into town. Forget that. <laughs> so, yeah. No more questions? That's good. Well, you feel satisfied? It's only 30, 40 minutes. That should be enough. How long did it take you to drive here? They're in San Francisco, so I picked them up. 15 minutes for them. Well, I'm cheating. 10 minutes cheating. That's okay. We'll take a break. <laughs>